Welcome to Devices and Desires. I'm Father Brian Wandell. We're here in Buffalo, New York, recording this podcast where we're looking at a sacred world in a secular age. That's what we live in. We're living in a secular age. It's not the Middle Ages anymore. It's not uh, 1800 America anymore. We're in 2020, Buffalo, New York, as we're recording this. We're looking at the culture we live in, exposing cracks in the stories it tells. Uh, and we're trying to figure out what it looks like for the gospel to open up from within that fragmented culture. We're going to bring our perspective as Anglican Christians, but whoever you are, we hope you'll track with us as we examine the devices and desires of our own hearts and those of our culture. Before we get going, uh, please, uh, if you're listening to this, you know, if you like it, then click the like button, share it, subscribe, comment, do these things. It helps us to get the word out there. And we just want to hear what you're thinking, too. As we get on to this, let us know what you're thinking about. We have a, a good topic today. And in fact, uh, it's so good, we're going to do it twice. Uh, we've got two episodes on the news that we're going to work through. Um, I assume that this is a topic that you've heard about before. Uh, so, uh, so we're going to try to figure out uh, what, what, what the story of the news is around us. Uh, so today, we're going we're to just ask that question. What is news? Like We've got information all over the place all the time. What really is news that we should care about in our lives? And then we're going to do a follow-up episode on how to read, how to process the news, uh, all the information that's out there. So today we've got Father Andrew Tebow. Can you say, say hi, Andrew? Good afternoon, everybody. Happy and to be here. Good, and our good friend, uh, the, Dr. James Kibbe, uh, is also with us. Say hi, Dr. Kibbe. Oh, wow. I got a promotion or... Uh, I don't know, elevated title for not doing anything. <laughs> honorarium, Jimmy. It, it, honorarium. It's not, wow. It's not an honorary, honorary award. So I can't start putting doctor on all my stationery, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, you, may <laughs> you might be arrested. Um, so, so we've got this question today. What is the news? And so I, I just want to just start out here. Andrew, wh why are we talking about this? Um, wh why is this part of our podcast that we're doing? Because things are crazy. <laughs> no, uh, we're, we're doing this because, uh, well, as Christians, we have a vested interest in the news. Uh, Christians are those who uh, believe in the euangelion, the good news of Jesus Christ, right? So it's right there uh, at the forefront for us. And so um, we have a vested interest in, in the news that way. Um, and so we want to... Um, we want to be part of that conversation. We want to be part of um, public discourse about about what the news is and uh, what it should be, how we should be ingesting that, um, recognizing that the news has an important uh, impact on uh, our culture and our on our lives. And again, as, as Christians, we have a vested interest in the truth. We believe that Jesus is who He claims He is; that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and so we think searching after the truth and um, speaking truth uh, and helping others do likewise is important. So uh, just to clarify, Andrew, you are a priest and you're not a media mogul. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, incidentally, that applies to me as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're not global jet setters or... Um, also, neither of us, this is not our expertise either. So um, 
we're thinking through this with the rest of you. We want to we want to have a, a conversation and a dialogue. Absolutely. Um, so, what's the lay expertise? We're, we're, so, we're lay people in this field, in a sense, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, Andrew, I, I've got to admit, I have been a news junkie for more than twenty years, though. Um, how about you? That does not surprise me. I have not been a news junkie for more than twenty years. Uh, you might call me a Johnny come lately, uh, as, as it were. <laughs> Uh, so let me, let's just like get, get our, um, um, get our assumptions on the table here, not our assumptions, where we're coming from. Andrew, when you read the news, what sources do you use? Can you name a few? Uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, my favorite, no, I actually don't read Sports Illustrated anymore, but. (laughs) I knew that was a lie because Sports (laughs) Illustrated is closing. It's over. I didn't know that. That tells you how connected I am to the media. You know, I don't have any anymore. I don't have um, one particular site that I land on uh, in terms of like news per se. Uh, I'll ad- admit that I'm uh, a reforming Fox uh, ad- uh, reader, um, but I've not found a place that I um, I've really landed on since becoming uh, discontented with Fox. Um, Mostly, uh, yeah, mostly I think I look at um, just different, you know, CNN I'll go to from time to time. Maybe that's the local sites. I try to get the local sites more. Um, Cool. I'm all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) I would say most days I check uh, Buffalo News, Washington Post, Politico, um, which is a DC one for Congress. Um, the Atlantic, Wall Street Journal, yeah. New York Times, um, those kind of places. Five thirty-eight, the statistics uh, website. They do sports and news, politics. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm all over. Yeah, so you know, when I was, I I distinctly remember um, probably when when things turned for me, uh, two thousand election. Uh, it just started. You know, uh, I remember I had a so I was a sophomore in high school during the two thousand election. And my, uh, my social studies teacher told me that uh, before that election, he said he had, he had made sure to stay up to, to, to hear the results of every presidential election since the Kennedy uh, election in 1960. And, um, and, and he's, he's like, and that was the hard one, 1960, because it came in super late. That was a really close election. Uh, it took a while before they figured out the votes there. Um, Kennedy, Kennedy kind of squeaked it out. Um, so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I picked the wrong election to do that because it was something Hanging like, four, it was like 40 days. <laughs> so I was, I was up until like three or 4am that night, like trying, trying to hang on as long as I could get there. And, uh, but that really like immersed me quite a bit. Um, when I was in high school, I did um, model UN, uh, represented Egypt. Um, I did mo- the national model UN tournament in, in college. Um, in New York City, uh, represented um, Kyrgyzstan one year, uh, Belarus another year, um, uh, helped out with political campaigns in high school. Uh, and then, of course, I, I, I moved to and lived in Washington, D.C. Uh, for nine years and um, worked for Congress for a number of years. So uh, certainly uh, something that I have uh, drunk way too much of uh, over time and, and still do. Um, but uh, yeah, lo- lots of sources that I've used over time. And I'm, I'm certainly one of those people that um, 
feels it feels it like an addiction sometimes and try tries to control it like an addiction you know turn it turn it off during lent if i can i tried to this past lent and then the coronavirus hit in the middle of it and i just like with that (laughs) hooked it straight up to the veins (laughs) Uh, after that then um yeah uh so i think you 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 point inadvertently perhaps to a a port an important connection could you could you maybe say something about the connection between um, news and politics? Yeah, uh, well, and, yeah, sure. Um, the role that that sort of plays in our in our public conversation. Yeah, right, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, what we're we're trying to get into the question of like what what is the news, um, which we'll kind of dive into in a second here, and I, this is definitely part of it. Uh, politics certainly fuels the news. You know, I think about this, um, I was, you know, I was a history major in college and um, one of the kind of theories of history that drove history research, or at least like history textbooks for a while was what was later called the great man theory of history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's sort of a default to like, who are, who are the big actors and especially in politics. And you sort of define that that's what history was. And since then, like history has taken a significant, there's a lot of cultural history that happens now, that kind of thing. But um, a a regular person who gets interested in history, you know, you like Lincoln, you like Churchill, like these kind of things, right? And in in this similar way, news gets driven by a similar dynamic, kind of like who's doing something that's like the person that we can pin history on, like that the history that's being made now, who's the person that's doing that, right? And so it de-emphasizes the gradual cultural forces that are changing things now. The systems, we might say. Yeah, yeah. And it emphasizes specific political actors, um, the personalities behind them, whether they're evil or good. Um, I think that's certainly a huge part of the draw of news, uh, that you you can draw some of these lines of good versus evil, uh, who's influencing history, uh, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So politics is definitely a big part, big part of the news cycle because of that. And it, and it drives a lot of news uh, because something's always happening in politics. Right. Uh, more or less, you know, uh, there are just bills being offered. Uh, this, is, this is Politico. I remember uh, Politico started like 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. And uh, it was a bit of a different kind of um, Hill newspaper. There are a couple other uh, Hill newspapers, uh, one called The Hill. Um, and they kind of track what's going on. And Politico kind of followed these stories more closely. And kind of famously, while Barack Obama was a senator, and Barack Obama, he, he, had, he had some reputation. He was called No, Bra- no Drama Obama. Um, he had some like reputation for really trying to shed disdain on political intrigue. You can judge whether or not that, you know, is part of his re- uh, reputation in retrospect. But, uh, you know, one of his top advisors, as soon as political came out, put it on his desk and said, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> like, this is like the exact opposite of the rhetoric we're trying to use. Um, because it's just like the nuts and bolts uh, and interior stories of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But, but it's, it's hard not to be drawn to that like a magnet, at least for someone like myself. Yeah, I... Th- if I might add, um, I, and I, yes, yes to all of that, um, but I think it, politics has like sort of a natural place at the center, right? If we think of politics as our life together, which is really what politics is, right? We tend to think of it in terms of like um, Congress or, you know, who's running for president, but 
But really what that is doing is that is sort of giving shape and order to our life together. Yeah. Um, and so then if we're as a society sort of reading these things together, it would make sense for us to have interest in those things that define our life together. Yeah. Please. You know, the New York times columnist, David Brooks is really good on this where he, he's, he emphasizes a lot that, um, you know, we, 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 we think about politics as being um, inherently divisive and interest ridden and that kind of thing. Uh, but there, there is, there's a very noble virtue to politics and political oh, involvement, sure. which is concern for your fellow man, uh, for what's, what the nation is and can be. It, it it raises our aspirations. Uh, there, there's something very legitimate of going beyond the local, your particular interests and trying to think about broader values. Um, and, and, and I, yeah, I, I think at least consciously for me, that that's, what's been what I have thought or felt like was driving some of those things is greater virtues. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, Christian, um, thinkers, like, uh, say a, one of our own contemporaries, James K. A. Smith, who, draws some from David Brooks would want us to think along those same lines to recognize that, that all of us are vested in politics insofar as politics is life together. It's loving our neighbor, right? Um, and insofar as there's that connection between news and politics, then, then all of us should have a vested interest in what is news. What, how should we be reading news? How can the news contribute to, to our life together? How can the news hamper our our life together? And some of these, um, maybe some of these questions that we're feeling now, in a more urgent way than we have before. Yeah. Okay, so we should we should jump into this. We're going to try to keep this to um, slightly shorter episodes since it's two parts here. So usually when we start out here, we just try to identify what's the what like what's the narrative that we're swimming in here. Uh, so we think of that as like the cement that the gospel will kind of break through. Uh, so the question is, what do we find in the news? Uh, what, what are we trying to keep up with? What current events are important? So let, let me just, here, here's a way that I'm going to jump into this, Andrew. I've got a couple of headlines here. Oh, good. And uh, you get to decide news or not news, okay? This All is right. our new so, segment of yeah, yeah. the podcast. <laughs> news or not All news. Right. So here's the first one. Chilling footage shows massive great white shark prowling just feet from six oblivious surfers. News not or not news. news. Not news. Not news. <laughs> That's from the U.S. Sun. Uh, here's another one. Fort Worth couple married 53 years, dies of coronavirus less than an hour apart. News Tragic, or not news. sad, but not news. Hmm, interesting. Okay, that's from a Texas local paper. Uh, You're trying to get me involved <laughs> in that one because my family's in Texas. <laughs> uh, here's another one. What we know about Pokemon's two new games, news or not news? That is definitely news. Not news. That is <laughs> it, not news. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was reported on CNN. CNN story. Therefore, it's news. Uh, uh, I'm not going to CNN anymore. I take it back. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, got two more for you. Yeah. It's not just you. There's a sudden wave of fireworks exploding in cities across the U.S. You guys uh, may not be f as familiar with this one in the suburbs. Uh, but this has uh, literally blown up our listservs here in the city, our oh. Facebook groups, uh, because fireworks going off the last like month or so, um, and apparently it's happening all over, uh, is, 
and I, well, I don't know I'm why. Told that know. if it's referenced on Facebook, it is definitely news. <laughs> so, I you know actually I'm I'm torn on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, put uh, a pin in it. But I think maybe, we'll have to talk maybe. about why, how we're qualifying these things, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, I've got one That's more for one. you. The man who coaches husbands on how to avoid divorce. That's the headline. That's more of an advertisement. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. not news. <laughs> That's from the New York Times. Um, so a couple different categories here. That last one, uh, it's from the New York Times, but I get um, – I get a weekly uh, email uh, called the, Sun- the Sunday Long Read, and it's lo- long-form journalism curated from the week before. And so different kinds of stories, uh, not, not necessarily like what happened today in the news, but this sort of like long-form um, stuff. It's not news. Uh, it fills newspapers, um, and it gives a broader sense. Well, maybe not a broader sense, but... Um, a softer sense of what's happening right now. Uh, these yeah. are the sort of like special interest stories that tell a story, uh, which journalists are good at and do. And then they try to give co- social commentary from there. In some ways it's more like a magazine article, right? Yeah. Um, so I think maybe it seems to me, maybe I misunderstood the game. Yeah. Perhaps you were asking me whether it was those headlines were actually in papers that, or things that did news <laughs> or whether they should be qualified as news. I chose the latter. You may have been doing the no, former. No. <laughs> you chose correctly, but you still failed. Oh, good. I still failed. <laughs> That's all right. I'm, a, I'm not an expert, so I don't take Just that kidding. Question. Just kidding. Okay. All right. So uh, these are some things that we find in the news. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what, what are you seeing when you see stuff in the news, Andrew? Like, do you see stuff that's what's worthwhile reading? When you pick up, when you log on when you get onto buffalonews.com or cnn uh there's a bunch of stuff you're not looking at some stuff right. you are looking at what, what are you what are you filtering which way well it's uh yeah it's tricky always to know right um what to qualify as news and what qualifies as entertainment um and i think as we go along in our conversation we'll, we'll see why that might be the case and wh- how that's sort of blurred but um I think it's important to, to like what is relevant, like um, which things that I'm seeing here actually have relevance in, in my life and, and not just my life, but in the life of the people around me. Um, so for instance, let's take one of these headlines. Um, let's take the, the shark one, right? Yep. I live in Buffalo, New York. There are no sharks swimming about around anybody that I come in contact with every day. Like there, there's absolutely no relevance to that for, for my life. <laughs> I can skip right past that one. Um, and actually I would argue that even in terms of what actually happened, that's not new. There's a fish in the water and people swimming near people in the water. Like that's, that's not news. Um, it's just sensationalism, right? Uh, then, you know, so the, the couple in Texas who, who die, um, hours apart. They've been married for 50, 54 years, I think it was. Well, that's sad. It's tragic. Um, but again, why? what relevance does that have to me or my neighbors here in Buffalo? Um, do, am I not encountered with enough death in my everyday life already that I need to read about a couple dying in Texas? 
Mm. Um, and I don't mean to be crass or, um, or to like poo-poo that. I mean, that is an important moment in time that we're living in. Uh, but if we're going to talk about news, I think a, a more newsworthy thing for me would be what it, what's happening with COVID in Buffalo or in mm-hmm. Tonawanda or, you know, my neighbor next door, actually both, both of them were um, sick with it. They're both in their eighties. They both were in the hospital with it. Uh, the wife passed from it and the husband came home. Well, to me, that's news. It's the same sort of story, Right. But there's relevance to that. That's something that impacts the way that I engage the world around me in a, in a real meaningful way, something I can do something about. And that has real impact for me. You know, it seems to me like, um, you know, it, it, it is hard to define what is news for us uh, and what's not, right? Because, like I said, jur- journalists have always been good storytellers. That's part of what journalism is. Yeah. And so stuff in newspapers is always, you know, like it makes sense to include stuff that's, you know, like, oh, wow, that's just, you know, that was a really moving story about, you know, the woman who did X or something like that. Um, and that's, that's worthwhile. Um, there's also there's sports scores and there's uh, what's happening in town this weekend, that kind of thing. Um, in some ways, it's like almost anything that has a headline uh, is news, right? Yeah. Um, like when we see a headline, that's almost like the definition of news, right? Here, here's something that you can follow a little bit more if you want to, uh, but you've got a bite from the headline. And th- right. that's sort of intensified with social media and stuff online that we have now because you can see so many headlines, right? That's based, I mean, that's more or less, you know, what Facebook is. You see, you typically only see a part of what someone has shared. Uh, or Twitter, obviously. Um, uh, news aggregators have tons of stories for you to just scroll through, right? And you see tons of headlines, and somehow you've got to pick from from those headlines, basically. Yeah, um, and I think with with that, what you see too is that the, on on one hand, there these things are news quote news. You can't see me using the square quotes, but that's what I'm doing. Uh, in the sense that something actually happened in the world. Uh huh. Right, these things actually happen in the world. A shark actually swam six feet away from people in the water. Supposedly. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's not buying it, but <laughs> uh, but what difference does that make? And, and just because something happens in the world, does that make it newsworthy? Is that something that we should be giving our attention to? Um, is that something that? that will actually help me to make sense of the world around me, help me to love my neighbor better, help me be a better citizen where I am. So, you know, there's so much out there and we're seeing so much stuff that, I don't know, it's hard to say if it demands our attention. Some of it does, right? There's exclamation marks, there's read this now, you know, like five ways to X uh, or whatever, you know. But there's certainly just something inside of ourselves that's like compelling us to, to, to love headlines, to click on them, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I feel like there's, there, there's like two parts of like what the news is. There's one, what they're trying to sell us, right? So there's the sell, they're, they're selling us something. Maybe we're getting into the crack side of thing here, but um, like what, what's the crack in this story? Uh, yeah. On the one hand, so one of the books that we read as we were trying to prepare for this was um, by a journalist named Matt Tybee. 
and uh, the, the book is called Hate Inc. Uh, was there was there a sub subtitle that I can't remember uh, something about uh, why the media? What was it? I've got it here. Um, why today's media makes us despise one another? Right. Yeah, and I think one of the things that Tybee really riffs on is that ultimately the news is trying to sell us something like they, they make news in order to make money. And so news is written in such a way for, uh, for us to somehow give up money in some way. Uh, so the, the quote that Matt, that Tybee gives is that um, if the news were like cigarettes, we'd add a warning label to it. And this is what the label would say. The news is a consumer product. So that's one side of the news, what they're trying to give us. And then the other side is sort of, like psychologically, existentially for myself, what's driving me toward that, right? Uh, like it's, it's actually kind of hard for me to say like why I care about, I, I, don't, I don't exactly know why I care about some of the things that I care about, like why I spend too much time on certain websites. <laughs> like I hear what you're saying, Andrew, <laughs> that some things are more important than others, um, but, but I'm gonna- You click don't on, like it. <laughs> but I'm gonna click on that article, you know? <laughs> I'm still, I'm still going to do that uh, until I'm like, oh, crap, I got to get some work done, you know? <laughs> um, and so, I, like, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that's hard to tease out, right? Uh, what's really important for us, um, for us there. I think, I think for myself, I feel some degree of, like, um, wanting to keep up, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's a certain virtue uh, or, you know, like, I, I feel like it's a virtue in uh, knowing what's going on, you know, uh, right. being part of the conversation. When I know, when I talk to someone else about the news, uh, knowing more than the other person knows, you know, <laughs> like that's a, that's like a value in the conversation. You know, you yeah. feel good when that's the case. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There, there's definitely a couple parts to that. Uh, I, I want to get into a, a little bit here, Andrew, on, uh, you know, wh- how the news is made up based on our technology here. Um, yeah. But do you, do you want to say anything else there about kind of what we're finding in the news or some problems that we're discovering from it, from our experience of reading the news? Well, I think, and we'll get into this in a little bit. Um, I think what we're feeling, especially in our moment now, um, is this like division in our society. Um, and it, it almost can seem like at times, like it's put into camps of like, who's reading what news. Yeah. Like, are, are you, are you reading Emma? Well, not reading, but are, are you watching MSNBC or are you watching Fox? And if you're watching Fox and I'm watching MSNBC, then you're my enemy. And if I'm watching Fox and you're watching MSNBC, then you're my enemy, right? And so we can almost like divide the sheep from the goats, so to speak, based on what news we're following or not. Um, and I think I we've was... seen this, like it, it was, so here's an interesting thing that happened, right? We had COVID hits and for the first like month, everybody in the country sort of united about the seriousness of this and the like, we need to be doing something about it. It it seems like there's this like unifying thing that's happening. And then about a month in things started to change. And it seems like it was becoming much more partisan. 
like people were dividing on it based on like whether they voted Republican or Democrat. And the news was beginning to sort of fall into those categories as well. Um, now, which comes first, like the chicken or the egg? But um, that was just an interesting phenomenon, I think. That yeah, yeah. To where, like, shows something about where we're at, I think. Yeah, so, so there's the division uh, that happens. There's the distraction that happens. Um, uh, I, I, we sort of ideologize the world around us uh, through these, these things. Um, you know, I, I remember a number of years ago um, just realizing, you know, that, um, sorry, I don't know if you heard my doorbell there, uh, <laughs> is realizing that, you know, so Fox, Fox News came in and they fairly deliberately wanted to course correct for what they perceived to be a liberal slant in the news. Um, but the, the, pro the problem with that, it wasn't just, you know, the way of reporting or conservative slant on the news, but that ultimately they were also selling a news product and that it was the same, the same platform, same way of delivering news, uh, but perhaps with uh, a, a bit more of like um, uh, perspective being given to the news as they were doing it. But uh, regardless, like they, they're still going to, they're still going to thrive on headlines that rile people up um, and uh, promoting uh, national issues over local issues, like just based on how they work. Right. Right. Uh, getting getting people riled up as to division and choosing sides like it still works like that as part of a business model to make money and in, in that way uh in that way i would say that fox news like all news is inherently anti-conservative uh in the sense of the word the, the sense of conservative that values uh what's local what's long-term uh those kind of like this sort of um, right. philosophical conservatism right um in, in that way like our, our political political values like miss out on underlying values that right. might might actually feed something into the conversation there um so we've got like this form of the news uh, this, is, this is part of the crack i think that uh, right. that causes problems for us right uh, just the, the form of what the news is well absolutely and i think it like tybee points out that so fox started as like they were the ones that started it but it sort of crept through um, you know, MS, NBC sort of set themselves up as like the anti-Fox. Um, and then you had the 2016 election. Um, and that, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but then that sort of gets like uh, fuel thrown on the fire, so to speak. Um, yeah. I was going to say something else about, but I, let's move on. Let, let, let me jump into this a little bit. Yeah. We wanted to we wanted to get like just some of the background in that because the news has taken different forms over time. You know, where are we right now? We're clearly in internet driven news. Uh, social media is a huge part of the news right now. Uh, and we're definitely going to get into that. I think more uh, next time when we talk about where we get our news sources and how we read the news because social media is such a big part of that. Now the distribution network. Um, so I just want to think about, um, you know, how we got here and how the, like what counts as news has changed over time based on how it's distributed and uh, that kind of thing. So uh, Andrew, you wanted to work forward. So I will, we'll, I'll take your suggestion. Uh, so 700 Thank years you. ago, you're, you're a, you're a peasant in, um, I don't know, 
four hours outside of London somewhere. Um, and uh, for you, what, what's news at that point? Uh, whatever's happening around me and I can hear from my neighbors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. News is what, what's going to help me get through the day. News is, um, you know, there's not, you know, 700 years ago, if we want to fast forward a little bit beyond that, we can, but um, I mean, that's before, well, right around the invention of the printing. It's a little earlier than printing press. Yeah. 1400. Yeah. So, printing press. you know, things aren't mass produced. Um, there's no mass media. Um, News is what spread through word of mouth, basically. You know, you know, it was probably the biggest source of news for people. Sermons. Yeah. Sermons were like the number one news item that you would get. Um, yeah, absolutely. Sense. Right. Yeah. If you're going, um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, right, so fast so forward. Further back, yeah, we, we go forward. Printing presses happened in the 1400s. And by the 1500s, especially into the 1600s, uh, printing presses start producing not just books. Uh, you know, first first and foremost, they produce Bibles, right? Yep. Uh, second, they produce the Reformation, um, <laughs> and but then uh, as part of that, uh, you get these sort of like battles back and forth over ideas. Martin Luther, yep. you know, certainly heavy use of the printing press. Yep. Um, and but certainly by the 1600s or so, uh, you're getting something like newspapers, political pamphleteering. Uh, and this could be printed in one place and uh, then be sent out to a whole bunch of other places. Plus you've got something that's like, it's more official than, uh, and this I think is, this is an important step here. You go from a person delivering news, right? Like, um, like a herald going from one town to another or something. Right. To uh, a printed document. And there's something very official about a printed document. Like this feels trustworthy, you know, uh, this paper lasts longer than a spoken word. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, and so, it, yeah, there's, there's something about that, I think, that starts to make the news feel like, like the capital N news, not just like things are happening in the world around us, but like news is happening, I think, to some extent there. Um, yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump forward from there, unless you have something else to say about well, yeah, I, uh, print I'd media. Like to say two things. One, yeah. I think the, the, the lastingness of it is important. Yeah. This thing lasts. I can go back to what the claim was, and I can, I can fact check, so to speak. I can, I can remember um, in a significant way that's important. And two, um, I think it's important to note that with the printing press comes certain ways of knowing and sharing truth. Yeah. Um, and that's an important thing uh, that with the printing press, truth now can, is, is sort of more verifiable because it lasts. I can go back and I can verify these things. Um, the, the very way that one writes is uh, it's linear, so to speak. It, it moves from one point to a next. The whole purpose of a pamphlet or a book is to make an argument. Yep. A sustainable, provable, supportable argument. Uh, it opens up itself to a counter argument, right? And these things, they not only train our mind and open our mind up in different ways to think through things that are important, um, but then also it um, encourages conversation, encour encourages dialogue. It encourages. Yeah, yeah. Um, one example of this, if I might, real quick. Uh, Neil Postman gives, he, he takes this as sort of like, the, this is the thing that we've lost. This is a good thing. Let's lament that we've lost it. 
Um, and he uses uh, the the debates between Stephen Douglas and um, and Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. as sort of an, an example. And he notes that at one point, and they debated all kinds of times, and they would travel from town to town. Um, and he notices that at one time in, um, I can give you the exact date, but it's 1850-something, uh, Douglas and Lincoln are having an, an argument. Uh, it's a debate, right? Douglas speaks for three hours. <laughs> And this is high-minded, like, I mean, he gives right. an example of one of these sentences, and the sentence that was spoken was hard to read. <laughs> and so you've got lay people in the crowd, like normal townsfolk, you know, this isn't an academic setting, this is in the town hall, this is where people come together. Lincoln gets up to give his rebuttal, which was scheduled in, he was slotted to have as much time. Douglas says three hours worth of high-minded, philosophical, political, uh, you know, policy-driven discourse, Lincoln's supposed to have three hours. He says, you know what? It's five o'clock already. I'm supposed to talk for three hours. Douglas has another hour to respond. You guys go home. Have dinner. Come back. The people came back, and they listened for another four hours. And Postman's point is like, this is a, this, that only happens in a, in, a, in a world where people are, uh, their minds are shaped by books. They're shaped by pamphlets. They have this. They have an attention span. They can handle the these concept ideas. They can follow the flow. Um, and so, I mean, I'm being really brief here, but I think that's an important thing to notice: is that there's something else that that our technologies do something to us. Yeah. They're not just something that we use. Yeah, yeah. And so each of these steps we're going to go through, there are ways that, like, a good reason to talk about them is because. I would say each of them, we, we gain something and we lose something. Yes. And it's worth reflecting back on what we gained. In other words, what was not always news that became news and also what was lost as well. And because there's something potentially there like that's human, that's really important. And so when you move to a printing press, uh, it, it pushes, um, it does push divisiveness uh, to yep. some extent, right? Well, you um, lose that communal like aspect that that right word of mouth aspect right because yeah yeah individualistic it enables skimming uh as soon as you print something um i'm not sure how much people did that three or four hundred years ago but uh it's certainly been enabled now uh and that's that's why we can't listen to a three-hour debate anymore all right so next step that i want to jump into is um the telegraph you know one of the telegraph was in um 1844 uh, so what happened to the telegraph, which is really important, uh, you know, people have been going around the world now for a couple hundred years so that you know, the world was smaller in a certain sense, but you still had to get from point A to point B, right? On a ship or uh, something like that. The telegraph happened instantaneously by electronic communication. And so now all, you know, one of the objections given to the telegraph, we don't use them anymore, but in some ways it's like the first step of the internet, right? Uh, one of the objections given was like, you know, like, what do, what do I care if the queen sneezed today? Right. You know, like that was one of the early objections. Um, and lo and behold, what do I care if uh, a shark swims by six feet away from somebody at a beach. <laughs> lo and behold, it matters quite a bit for people today, whether or not the queen sneezed and it will make the news. Right. Um, but, uh, but like just to, just to give a sense of how, how impactful this was, uh, what, what was the first message to be given on a telegraph line? Uh, in 1844, what hath God wrought? Uh, the quote from Numbers 23 there, uh, what hath God wrought? Uh, it, like, ha- just reflecting on the gravity of what had been done there, that suddenly 
uh, going from Washington to London or Washington to Buffalo, like you could get a message across like that. And it was, it was there. Uh, that made a huge impact on what the news was because suddenly, literally what happened today uh, on a continent away could be known and could be seen as important. Like clearly there are important things happening on the other side of the world. Um, but the, the, the amount of the world that you, that the amount of the world that someone cares about is the whole world, right? You know, like some, someone's right. pretty much there everywhere, right? So there's something to care about around the whole world. Whether or not that matters to you now becomes the question, right? Right. Um, and so like, that's, that's some of what we're asking in this episode is which of the important stuff out there is important for me? Uh, so that's the telegraph. I, I think that's really important. Uh, Neil that. Postman notices that, uh, I think it was the New York Times, I'd have to double check it, but um, at the end of their first news article that they sourced primarily from the Telegraph, there was a comment made about mentioning that that was the case, that it was this was sourced from the Telegraph, and the author says, surely this is the obliteration of time <laughs> and space. Yeah. Because now, I mean, like, it doesn't, I can get news from anywhere news from nowhere is the 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 phrase we might might right. use it's like it's decontextualized I, it's just yeah yeah important so after, shift. after that well i guess so radio and then in some ways radio is just sort of an early form of tv in some ways there so maybe we just want to get on to the changes that happened from from tv in particular uh, around 1950 or so uh, we go from we, we certainly they certainly hear, heard news on the radio um, but now we have a uh, glowing picture box uh, showing us the news showing us the news as it's happening potentially. Yeah, uh, I know. I know you wanted to talk about this one, Andrew. What what changed with uh, news with the TV? Well, a lot changed actually. Um, so Postman Neil Postman, one of the books. So we referenced the Tyvee book. One of the books that we we read to sort of prepare ourselves for this conversation was. Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business by Neil Postman. Uh, and one of the things that he notices in that is the, just the drastic shift that happens with the invention of the TV. And he summarizes that up by saying, uh, no longer for people do they believe what they read, but now they believe what they see. Uh, and this is a major shift in the way that we think about about truth claims, about what is truth and what isn't truth. Um, it also changes again the way that we we communicate that that truth with the, the advent of the TV, which, by the way, was invented as a means to do advertisements. Um, in fact, uh, in the Tybee book, he he mentions that there was like this long-standing rule, unofficial. That nothing on TV could be more flashy, could be more bright, uh, could be as entertaining as the advertisements. That it was all about the advertisements. Right. Um, but everything on TV still has to be entertaining. Uh, and so what Postman says is this necessarily means that things have to be in snippet form. So rather than news now um, giving me full con working to give me context. Now it's taken from nowhere because of the telegraph and its influence. Now I'm giving a picture, which literally is a snippet from time and space into my own thing. 
but I'm not given any real context about it. Nobody's explaining to me what it is or what I'm seeing or, or why it matters. I'm given some small like 30 second segment that necessarily doesn't allow me the time to process it, to really get to know what's happening there before we've moved on to the next thing, right? And then you've got this, now this, right? Everything there's just now this. So everything becomes atomized. Nothing is important because everything is important. Everything's breaking news. And so the, what that teaches me is that the new thing supersedes the last thing. So r- rather than being able to, to go consequentially like through, through a, an argument, now these things are atomized and broken off one from another. So not only does it change the way that I'm hearing the news, it changes the way that my mind's functioning. I would actually argue, following Postman, that it wasn't the printing press that made it so that we can't hear a three-hour lecture, right? Remember that Lincoln and Douglas, their seven-hour dialogue happened at 200 years after the printing press. Sure. It's the TV. It, it's the Everything has to be in, like five-minute segments that are standalone so that I can get to the next advertisement thing. And that's really the thing we need to remember is the stuff that happens in the advertisement. So I can come and go from a news station uh, from, and not miss anything, really. And so it really changes the way that we um, – the TV changes the way that we see the world. It changes the way that we hear the news. Um, it, it really has, and we're being really brief here, but um, yeah. I commend the book. Last part, the internet. Uh, obviously, so many changes here, and certainly not only the internet, but uh, on our mobile phones, so carried with us. Literally, as the news is happening, I'm reading it. Um, you know, I, I can think of, I can, there, there's so much there. Uh, sports scores that are constantly coming in, you know, many some people have, you might have notifications on your phone for sports scores. They happen. Um, I, I just, I've been in rooms with lots of people where they pull out their phone and, Oh, this, you know, this just happened right now. Right. Um, I, I can think of, I can think of only a, one or two times in my life where Twitter has been like useful for something. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, when, when a couple, a couple weeks ago, when there was the, the first of the, the racial protests in Buffalo, uh, I was following Twitter quite a bit because I could, I could actually find out what was happening in the moment in my neighborhood as far as uh, violence and, and stuff like that, uh, which, was a, which was better than the, the Buffalo News and local stations were handling. But for the most part, um, uh, quite a bit there, we mostly recognize as pretty inane, right? Yes. Um, but not only is it instantaneous, but it's being shared socially, right? So we're not dependent on just watching one thing and then we change the channel. Like we pass news on to each other now. Yeah. So we, we, we are the conveyors of information. Uh, and that's, that's a huge, huge change um, in that. I just want to focus for a second on what, what that does to our community. Like, so all these steps here have changed, not only what is news, but like what's the community that I care most about, the people I care about. Uh, and news is sort of like, um, I don't know, an, an accident of that uh, in some ways. It, it influences it, but um, what we care about in news re- reflects the community that we care about in some ways. Um, yeah, yeah, so uh, that, that's my question. So, so based on where we're at here, going through all those cycles, 
Um, I live in a specific place, but what's, what's my real community based on the news that I'm reading? Well, I'll I don't, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You go first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so the community that the community that I care about is apparently, uh, a it's, uh, my friends, regardless of where they live. Um, that's part of it. Uh, the community that I care about, uh, is for the most part politics, <laughs> um, and what politicians are doing. Um, and so I tend to think of the most influential things that are happening in the world as being politics, uh, because politics makes the news the most. Um, also, uh, generally, like you said, Andrew, what, what has happened most recently? Uh, so my, my community is most impacted by what has most recently happened rather than what has been happening long-term in my community. Um, so I think that's, that's a part of it. Um, and the people who have the strongest voice that I listen to, they're the ones that define my community. So, um, even the people that I see around me, my neighbors, that kind of thing, uh, they have less voice than the influencers, the people who are getting shared around people who have, uh, whatever people who have things that go viral, uh, they define my community, I think, for the most part, right? Um, and that ultimately becomes our community is often very interest based then. Um, so that whatever niche category of interest you have or identity, uh, you can there are there are 7 billion people on, on earth, there is enough of them somewhere uh, that they can become my community and more so than the people who live next door to me. Yeah, we might add that given the prevalence of um, the internet with news, and, and I would say this is uh, a hyper element of the TV, is that um, it makes us think in terms like virtual terms. My community is virtual. Right. My community is uh, the people who I agree with in the comment section underneath a, a news article. Um, my community is, um, yeah, the people who read the same blogs or the same news sites. It's, it's not really my neighbor across the street anymore and me having a dialogue with him trying to figure some of this stuff out together. Now it's, now it's the people I, I interact with on, on the web. And one of the things about that is that what we are seeing too is that the news is becoming more and more siloed. It's more... Rather than seeking a broad audience to get everybody involved and everybody to like some sense of like togetherness, now the news is siloing into Fox News and MSNBC. And so now I'm in an echo chamber, right? So my community now is those who agree with me, right? Those who see the, the world the same way that I do. Um, and that has a that that has political implications, right? I'm, how am I going to be a good neighbor if if my my neighbor isn't my enemy? Well, Andrew, let's bring the gospel into this. Um, you know, so uh, we believe that regardless of where our culture is at, uh, and no matter how secular it is, that the gospel can break through and flourish from within that. Um, and we've tried to kind of bring this down to not just like. Um, uh, what news is right or something like that, but like really these core issues of community and identity, what's important. Um, how, how do the scriptures or the gospels speak to um, what community I should care about in my life? 
and, and that kind of thing. How, how would you start to address that, Andrew? Well, it's very complicated, um, <laughs> right? Um, so, like, let's think in terms of, like, concentric circles. Maybe that, that'll help us, right? Um, well, so the scriptures would say that um, what my community is first and foremost, those who are in Christ with me. Um, right, so Christian perspective, Anglican Christian perspective, um, that's the, the foremost, is that relativizes all other community. Um, I am first in community with those people who I'm in union with Christ with. Uh, now that can be really broad, right? Uh, I mean, the church is global. Um, so then within the church, though, we have our local congregations. Our local congregations are made up of families. Um, they're made up of um, extended families, of all sorts of different king groups. Um, and in fact, we want to think of the church as an extended king group, right? Um, so that's my first community, my local parish. Um, we want to include uh, within that my, my family, right? Like my biological family. Um, they're in that with me, right? But even that finds its full purpose in, in the broader community of the church. But as the church, we, we recognize that we belong to a broader community, to a broader polis, we might say, a city. Uh, and so then, then who is my neighbor is first those who are within the church, but then my neighbor outside the church as well. Right? Like think of Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. Who, who was the neighbor? <laughs> it was actually the enemy was the good neighbor. Um, the, the one who's outside the defined community. That's the neighbor. That's the good neighbor. That's the one who we're supposed to imitate and be like, is the good Samaritan. So my neighbors outside the, the church, in my, in, my, in my city, my literal neighbors, that's my next neighbor, I think. That's, that's the community. The, the, the community, my next immediate community, the next concentric circle is the city around the church. Um, it's the people who I live in the same neighborhood as. It's the people who live in the same city block as me. It's the people who live in the same city as me. Um, and then we can go out to the state, right? We can go out to the nation, and then we can go out globally. Now, I have interest in each one of those things, right? Um, the church is global. People, shared humanity is global. Um, there are justice issues that we should be worried about that are happening all around the globe, in part because they're being perpetrated by the United States, which I, is my community. I should be concerned about the way that people are being exploited by corporations in the U.S. and China or in whatever other place we have sweatshops. Like that should that should be a concern of mine. Um, but yeah, so that's how I would sort of think about community i think yeah that's good part is that's good and, and certainly you know we can talk about how you know we're, we're created as embodied and therefore that that goes into those concentric circles right that to right. some degree we we have lost something uh from 700 years ago where like you know you cared m almost entirely about those whom you could walk to see right right um and that shouldn't be lost actually you know like we 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 are part of broader things but those whom we could walk to see should be our 
some right. of our most fundamental area of concern and the news that we care most about, which is not the most exciting news sometimes. It's, right. it's, the, it's the town board elections. It's, you know, uh, who, you know <laughs> what's going on with the wastewater treatment plant, you know, um, right. uh, the development down the block, those kind of things. In, a, in, a, in an important way, news should be something that we can enact, right? Mm-hmm. Like it should invoke some sort of action out of me. Like it should right. lead me to being a better citizen. In some ways, though they're important, some of the things that are happening globally, I can't do anything about. I don't have the power to do anything about those things. Now, there are some things I can do some things about. So don't hear me saying like, don't worry about. But my most my largest ability to have impact is going to be in my local community. The place where I am embodied and actually living. That's the place where I'm going to be able to have the most impact. Uh, so in a certain sense, if news is to lead to action, then, then that needs to be my focus, my first focus, not my only focus, but my first, I would say. Yeah, that's good. So I, th- you know, I think we should uh, come toward closing up here, but I do want to add to this. You know, so I think one side of thinking about gospel and gospel values uh, in the context of news is um, clarifying who our community is, uh, who that is, and how we, can, how we can be good citizens to do something to be part of that. Um, so I'm hearing that. Um, then I think there's another side to that as well, which is just, you know, for me as I'm just a, I'm a limited person and ultimately news is something that, like we said, regardless of how careful we try to be with choosing our news sources and that kind of thing, news is trying to get us riled up. Right. Uh, and because of that, uh, news creates anxiety. Like it, it just does. And we need to be careful of our own hearts as we practice our faith. Uh, how much we're being riled up by the news, uh, how much we're being divided by the news. Um, and, and those are things I think that we need to, uh, we, we really need spiritual practices that help us. Um, what is news for me? Well, uh, I need to think objectively about who can be helped. And I also need to think subjectively about what I can take. Uh, is this leading me to more fights with my friends on Facebook, uh, quote friends, right? Uh, or, or is it, you know, or is it leading me to um, uh, have conversations that lead to somewhere, right? Uh, so yeah. I think we need to, th- I need to think about that in my own life. You know, how much, how much time am I spending reading this every day? You know, um, is it really important that I read the news every single day? Um, I'll be honest, I, I, I want as much as possible for myself to move more toward, and this is tough. I, I think my preference would be um, there used to be more news magazines out there, like things that would come out every week, uh, Newsweek or Time. Um, and those provided some opportunity for perspective. It wasn't just like literally what happened in the last 24 hours. Uh, unfortunately, most magazines are out of print now, <laughs> um, especially, especially those. Um, so I try to find that in some other ways. Uh, the Sunday Long Read does some of that for me, uh, this curation of stuff you can sign up for. Um, but somehow carrying... We, most of us probably need to care somewhat less about the 24-hour news cycle. Um, and just, just psychologically, it's difficult. As far as our faith, it's difficult. Um, I think that things that, feed on, things that feed on updates have an overall negative effect on our spirituality most of the time um, because our in-the-second impulses shift from in-the-second, like an impulse to prayer, 
to an impulse right. to check. And that's something really important for the practice of my faith that I need to think about when I think about what's the news is that some things that are news act against the practice of my faith there. Anything you want to add to that, Andrew? No, I think that sums it up. That's good. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we should, we should finish up here. Um, we've been discussing what the news is. This is devices and desires finding a sacred world in a secular age. And that age includes uh, all the news around us all the time. Uh, we need to think more carefully about that. I'm interested in uh, what you listeners uh, have been thinking about it. You know, so leave us a comment. Um, you can like us on Facebook, share things around, subscribe to the various channels that we're on so that you can just see things as they, as they come up there. The music that we're going to finish up with that comes from Dr. James Kibbe uh, himself. Uh, so thank you for that music, uh, Jimmy. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you again as we get into our next episode on how we can read and process the news. God bless you. Have a good day.